But we come together to say we are, we are the church because Jesus gave his life. Because he forgave us something that, that separates us from God. So Romans 14 verse 5, talking about this, you know, th- th- this thing. Because some people really have a big, a big issue about should we celebrate these things? Should we commemorate these, these events? But Romans 14 verse 5, the Apostle Paul says this. Some think that one day is more holy than another. And you know, some people think, well, I need to do special things on a certain day. That's okay. It says, while others think every day is alike. So when we think of this in, in a church, I'm just trying to give you an explanation why we would celebrate or commemorate these kind of events. Uh, is because we choose to make it a day where we worship God. Where we, we as a body, say... We're going to commemorate, we're going to think about, we're going to honour the cross. Not just the cross as a piece of wood, but what happened on the cross. Which is our salvation was secured because Jesus gave his life for us, for me. So that's why we do that. So if you have that question, hopefully that may um, you know, bring some clarity there and help you this morning. So I want to begin this morning with um, Jesus' trial before uh, the, the Jews and also before the Roman governor of Judea at that time. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me and I, I have a, a PowerPoint that the scripture will come up for you as well. But if you have your Bible, you can turn to that yourself. Um, in John chapter 8, verse 35, uh, starting from about halfway through verse 35 and verse 36. So I know we're just jumping straight into this, but uh, it says, Pilate. He was the Roman governor, or Pilati, I've heard it said. Uh, He retorted, your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? And this is Pilate talking to Jesus. And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders but my kingdom is not of this world. And that's something that we really need to uh, reconnect ourselves with. Our faith is not of this world. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. So if that's something that, that we need to take away from church this morning, is please try and remember this as we go through my message this morning, that God's kingdom that was birthed in Jesus, restoring people back to God, isn't of this world. So we need to realize that we live in a broken, messed up, dirty world. And so our relationships are going to be strained. Our, our life is going to have challenges and is going to have problems and issues because we're living in a world that isn't totally God's kingdom. But we can live in the blessing of that kingdom in the knowledge that, that this life is passing. And we're going to be born again, again, in a new level where we go to live with Christ for eternity. And we need to keep that is the kingdom that Jesus was talking about that he wants us to be living in every day. Getting back to our question here, the question that Pilate asks Jesus is why? What have you done? Why are you here in my court, basically? Pilate wanted a reason. He wanted a confession. He wanted a crime to justify 
his court sitting this day. Because, I mean, I know Pilate was a Roman. He's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. And he knows that the, the Jews are, are preparing a big celebration. It's a Passover time. They do this every year. He's not interested. But I'm thinking, he's thinking, you know what? While they're having this Passover ceremony, there's probably not going to be much for us to do. It's a public holiday. The soldiers are going to be relaxing. They're going to be having some time off. I'm going to be able to kick back and relax because these crazy Jews aren't going to come up with anything this weekend. That's what he's thinking. And then at the very eve of that, the, the Jews send him this man saying, you've got to do court today. And he goes, there goes my early knockoff. I'm just giving this some poetic license this morning. Pilate wanted a reason. He's looking for a confession. He's looking for, 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 for some kind of a sign from this man in his court to say, you're a criminal. That's why you're here. Now, what have you done? Jesus answers nothing. Because he's got this, this man, this Jesus, in his court with no charge except for this. If we go back to now John chapter 18, verse 20, 29 and 30. It says, Pilate the governor went out to meet them. These are the Jews who brought Jesus to him. And he asked, what is your charge against this man? And they said, we wouldn't have handed him over to you if he weren't a criminal. See, this seems strange. But I don't think in today's court, just bringing someone in there and saying, he's a criminal, warrants a charge. Why are you here? Or why did you, police, why did you bring this man to this court? Well, because he's a criminal. Well, tell us what he did wrong. Well, he's a crim. That should be enough. And Pilate's like, there's something not, there's the, the, the dots aren't joining here this morning. So the trial of Jesus is corrupt at every level. It's as corrupt as you could ever imagine. It's unfair. There's no charge. There's, there's no victims to find. Uh, in the end, for Jesus, there is no justice. But that's good for us. There is no justice for Jesus in this whole thing. Reading again of Jesus' trial and, and uh, noting these points, it's so unusual that Jesus was whipped, he was beaten, he was tortured, and ultimately sentenced to death with no criminal charge. No charge. See, Jesus was corruptly brought before the court on false accusations and he was denied justice. So when the Jewish leaders couldn't find enough grounds to condemn Jesus, they took him to the Romans. See, not even the Jewish court that sat before, the Jewish religious court, they couldn't actually find anything. It says in some of the other books of the Bible that some of the other trans, um, uh, apostle, uh, epistles is what I'm trying to say. Some of the other versions of, of this same story, it says that they found people who, who, who the, the, the religious leaders said, well, you, you come into the court and you say that you heard him say this and this and this. And it says that they couldn't even get their story straight because it was all trumped up. So at, at, at first, Jesus was arrested and questioned by the Jewish leaders. And they couldn't actually pin him with anything. So we'll, we'll look at the... I've, I've tried to use the book of John for, for today's message. 
So the Jewish leaders bring Jesus in. They're the ones who arrested him. In John 18, verse 12, they arrested him and they tied him up just to make sure that he couldn't run away. John chapter 18, verse 22, it says they slapped him across the face. I think that's very mild language. I think it means they gave him a good hiding. They beat him up. It's not like they just got their white glove on and slapped him politely. I think that means they got him and they gave him a pummeling. And I mean, I think he was bleeding and bruised and bashed and and severely hurt from that point when they first arrested him. I think the, the leading priest would have said to the, to the guards arresting Jesus, just rough him up a little bit, have a, have a bit of fun. And then John chapter 18, verse 24, he was, again, it says, at first they tied him up, it says he was bound. That means that they, they made sure that he had uh, his freedom taken away at that point. So they couldn't actually find anything, so they... The, the, the Jews are thinking, we're going to easily find a, a, a trumped-up charge, a, a, a way in which we can condemn this person to death ourselves, but they couldn't actually do it. So they thought, well, we'll send him to the Romans. So the Romans, it says in John chapter 19, verse 1, they flogged him with a lead-tipped whip. That's a, a whip that had sharp objects in it. Um, you know, there's various descriptions I've heard of, of this type of whip, but basically it had sharp bits in it so that when it whipped you, it tore the flesh off your body where it, it's, it's made contact. They, the Romans made a crown of thorns and put it on his head. Uh, at, at, you know, and, and again, he's bound. He's not free to, to you know, adjust this crown to make it more comfortable. But, uh, and then John chapter 19, verse 3 they mocked and slapped him again. That word slap, I think, doesn't denote the, 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 the punishment or the physical injury that they were dealing out to him. Uh, Mark chapter 15 describes the entire Roman regiment turned out to beat Jesus. In other, uh, in other uh, times, it so- talks about they beat him with a stick. Um, so I think just in that, you see that Jesus was, was uh, beaten severely. So... Jesus could not be found guilty because he was innocent and that not guilty verdict is important for you today. You need to realise that, that Jesus being found in two courts, not one, two courts, not guilty. Although the Jews wouldn't even give themselves the, 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 uh, the admission that we can't find him guilty but we'll go finding another court that will make him guilty. But they, they don't say that but in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 10, uh, sorry, I'll just go back. It's the fact that Jesus didn't die for his crime. He died for yours and for the world. That's probably the, the, the most important thing we need to understand about the cross and about Jesus' death. It's that fact that Jesus didn't die for his crime, but he died for yours and for the world. That's probably the, the, the most important factor. So in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, uh, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll leave them up, but it says this, For since our friendship with God was re- restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Oh, sorry, there it is. You helped me out there. Go back to Romans. There, thank you. Our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. 
we certainly will be saved through the life of his son. See, the punishment Jesus endured, his purpose was for all humanity. The people of Israel in Egypt were spared when they offered the blood of a lamb when God passed over the land of Egypt. This all bring, brings sense to why Jesus had to give his life. We find that in Exodus 11 verse 5, God told Moses to tell the people, take a sheep or a goat with no defects and sacrifice it. And in verse 7, it says, take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and on the top of the doorposts of your houses um, and then eat the animal and everyone in that house will be spared because of the blood of the lamb. There'll be no penalty on that house. And I want to tell you today, when we, uh, when we uh, accept that sacrifice that Jesus gave his blood for ours and we apply that to the doorposts of our life, then we're spared from the penalty that is rightfully ours. It's an it's incredible symbol of salvation for us today. But not with the blood from an animal, but the blood of Jesus Christ. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are made right with God. It's all about Jesus carrying on himself all my guilt, all my sin, that I was supposed to be punished for, but he took the penalty. That's the most amazing thing about Christ and about Jesus. Proverbs 16 verse 6 says, Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. Atonement is an amazing word that I've only just discovered in the last few days. But if we look at how it's spelt, and if we break it up, at one mint. At one mint. This is not just a play on words. It is the literal meaning in, in English. Dr. Google told me. At one mint. So when we, when we read that word that Jesus came and brought atonement through his sacrifice, it's saying that he's, he's allowed a way for every person who will accept his, his sacrifice to make us at one with God again, where we should have started in the first place. Through Jesus' death upon a Roman cross, all, all people can find oneness with God. The separation factor is sin and the reconnector to the Father is Jesus, the innocent, guiltless one. So he was perfect to hide our imperfect. He took our guilt and it was dealt with in his body so that we become the free. And I know our theme this year in One Heart Church is to be free. And hopefully this, this Easter period, you may discover a new level of freedom. Because Jesus doesn't want you to live with a burden of hate. doesn't want, to, want you to live with a burden of, of despair. He doesn't want you to live with a burden of debt. He doesn't want you to live with any burden whatsoever. He wants you to be free. And hopefully today you can start to open the crack of those areas in your life where there isn't freedom and be honest with God and say, say, God, I need to be free of this. Whatever it is in your life. He was perfect to hide your imperfect. So it's 
not what Jesus deserved so you don't get what you deserve. Jesus didn't deserve it. We see that. There was no charge. Uh, freedom and healing and reconciliation at one moment with God the Father is available through Christ. And that's what we remember today. Just one last thought. Pilate, the Roman governor, he has one last attempt to release Jesus. This is in John chapter 18, verse 39 to 40. Because Pilate's thinking, this guy's innocent. This guy's here because they're jealous of him. This guy's here is because of religious persecution or something. He's trying to work it out. So he's thinking, if there's any way that I can, I'm going to try one more time to get this guy off the hook. And of course, also a big factor here is, is we see, we read in other places that Pilate's wife said, you always need to listen to your wife, man. She said, don't have anything to do with this guy. Because she's had a dream and, and, and she's thinking, whoa, man, don't, this guy's innocent, leave him alone. So he must be thinking of his wife's words as well. But he says, but you have a custom of asking me to release one prisoner each year at Passover. Would you like me to release this king of the Jews? But they shouted back, no, not this man. We want Barabbas. Who is Barabbas, you might ask? Variously described, he was a criminal. He was, he was like a, a, a revolutionary. He's, he's, got like, he's in a, um, like a gang of people who, who are against the government, against the Roman government mainly. And he's, he's in prison for insurrection, which is like a revolution against the, against the, the, the government, against the Romans. So he's, he's had his army, they've gone, had a little mini war, like the Eureka Stockade kind of thing. I obviously got beaten and he's murdered a few people on the way, so he's in jail. So he, he's, he's anti-establishment. And he's in jail for murdering other, other people. And he says... Who do you want, Jesus or this guy? And the crowd shouts back, we want Barabbas, we want the criminal, we want the murderer, let him out. And so this criminal was released and Jesus, the innocent one, was the one condemned that day. And church, we must never allow our heart to, to get far from this point. We're free, like that criminal Barabbas, while Jesus paid our penalty. And, you know, people like to debate, people like to argue, people like to tell me, you, you know, this is wrong and that's right. Why does the church do this or that? You know what? We live in an imperfect world. We're all imperfect. And sometimes we get it wrong. But I never want to stray from my life by knowing that Jesus paid a penalty and I was like, Barabbas. I never want to stray far from that. So in every message I preach, in every person I help, in every day that I walk, I'm the one who got let out when I was a crimp. And I hope this Easter, every single person here today can say, Jesus, thank you for the freedom I'm going to let my, my bitterness go. I'm going to let my unforgiveness go.
I'm going to decide today to live in freedom because of the cost that was mine was taken by an amazing saviour. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord Jesus, today, we take this time to remember your love, your love for me, your love for us. Dear God, may each person here today have a new revelation, a new sense of how much you love us. So Lord, may each of us here have an encounter today of that atonement, the at one that your sacrifice brought to us. Lord, all we can say is thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, may your church use this today as a, another plank of our freedom, another rung in our ladder to freedom. I just pray right now today over every person here, a release of burdens, a release of bondage, a release of you know, sometimes negative thinking that is getting into our minds. And we say, thank you, Jesus, that you took the penalty and set us free. In Jesus' name, amen.